They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Our gospel this morning is one that may strike our modern ears as pretty strange. It's a story about Jesus' encounter with a man who is possessed by evil spirits. In this day and age, exorcism passages are not usually the ones that hit close to home. On this side of the Enlightenment, we're predisposed to really only trust what we can see under a microscope. We've inherited a materialist worldview, which makes it hard enough to believe in the existence of the soul, let alone New Testament demonology. So when we encounter stories of demons like this, we're, we often just don't really know what to do with them. But I hope that you will not be deterred by the peculiar feel of this exorcism story. True, it feels very foreign to our modern sensibilities, but what I want to show you today is that it's really more relevant to us than you might guess. Although we don't often think about demons, we do still talk like they're responsible for our life struggles. Whether we're talking about an addiction, a chronic health problem, or a mental illness, we use the phrase, I'm wrestling with this demon. And this holdover in our language really isn't that far off. Because, in a sense, all the suffering in the world goes back to our adversary, the devil, who first caused corruption to enter into the world. So we still speak as though demons are responsible for our afflictions. And believe it or not, the saints recommend this practice to us. They advise us to interpret our struggles as exterior forces because that makes them easier to overcome. Here's a passage I came across from one of the Orthodox saints. We must consider all evil things which war against us to be not our own, but of our enemy, the devil. This is very important. You can only conquer something when you do not consider it as a part of you. So, to us who struggle with demons of various kinds, this morning's passage comes to us as a message of hope. For this is the story of what it looks like for Christ to confront our demons. A story of what it looks like for our struggles to come into an encounter with Christ. There's something within this demoniac which urges him towards the shoreline to meet Christ as soon as his ship comes in. You'll notice from verse 27 that as soon as Christ's sandal hits the sand, this demoniac is there to meet him. How unexpected that this man possessed by demons would seek out the Son of the Most High God. Though this man had a whole legion of demons inside him, Yet this one inner tug toward the Lord is enough to bring him healing. Ninety-nine percent of his inner experience runs contrary to God, and yet this one percent is enough to bring healing to the whole. For this reason, Christ tells us that faith just the size of a mustard seed is enough to remove mountains. In the case of this man, despite his inner turmoil, that one small impulse towards Christ is enough to overcome the thousands of demons inside him and he meets Christ along the seashore. Now, this guy's a mess, and he shows up to Christ just as he is. Listen to Luke's description of him. He's worn down, naked, homeless, and constrained. First, from verse 27, the man is worn down. He is described as having been possessed for a long time. Often, our sins are long-standing, and the wounds that we deal with go all the way back to childhood. Our afflictions often have their starting point many years or even decades ago. 
and yet they are never too old to be healed. Even our most chronic sins and wounds can be overcome and healed by God's matchless power, just as this man was exercised after so long a time. For years and years he had been under constant torment, but one day, in a single encounter, his whole world changed. He could never have guessed it when he woke up that morning. Your day also is coming. The power of Christ is matchless. The forces of wickedness really have no power against him. And this is why the demons say, I beg you, do not torment me. The demons have no more power against Christ than the darkness has against the light, and they know that. Just think about, okay, when you flip on a light switch, uh, is there any struggle between darkness and light? Like, do you wonder which force is going to win in this epic showdown between the light and the shadows? No, of course not. What happens? You flip on the switch and the darkness is banished. The light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not, as the last gospel declares. So as you can tell, and as the demons themselves are aware, they're entirely at the mercy of the Almighty. So first, the man has been possessed for a long time. Second, we find that he is naked. This is how we are when we stand before Jesus. All our sin and ugliness is on full display before the God who knows how many hairs are on our head. Jesus tells us that there is nothing secret that will not be revealed, and he sees us even when we wish that he didn't. But shame doesn't hold this man back. He goes to Christ naked. Will embarrassment prevent you and me? This man, even in his nakedness, chooses to throw himself on the mercy of Christ without pretense. So you and I must meet him naked if we are to be healed at all. Third, we find that this man's dwelling is not in a house, but among the tombs. He had no home. St. Augustine says that his homelessness represents the restlessness of his conscience. If your conscience is restless, know that it's God's will for your heart to be at peace through doing the right thing. That's what he intends to heal you for. The man is homeless. Now, the fact that his haunts were the tombs outside the city and the desert, these are symbols of how our sin leads us towards death and toward aridity and away from communion with others. So I was trying to think of an example to illustrate this. Um, David's sin in the Old Testament uh, came to mind. His lust led to death, both in the fate of Uriah the Hittite and in the fate of the firstborn child. It led to aridity, which is to say to spiritual dryness, because it caused a distance between him and God, which he mentions in Psalm 51 when he says, my sin is ever before me. And it led to broken communion with others because he had to hide the murder from his general Joab as well as from his love Bathsheba. So sin leads us to the tomb and to the desert. And fourth, from verse 29, we find that the demoniac was often bound with chains and shackles. Do you ever feel that your sins have imprisoned you? Or do you feel like your past is wrapped around you like a chain? Jesus has come in order to break the chains and to set the captives free. This man's bind is nothing that Christ can't break. And that one little part of his soul which leads him to the seashore that day trusts that this is so. Such is our description of the man. Jesus encounters one who is worn out, naked, homeless, fettered, and deserted, and who has yet somewhere deep within himself enough hope to bring him into the contact with the person that can help. 
Our Lord looks with pity upon this man as He looks upon you and me with mercy in His eyes. It is His purpose to cast out the demons. What is your name? He asks the demoniac. Legion is the answer, because this man is not possessed by one demon only, but by a great many. Apparently, a legion in the Roman army referred to several thousand soldiers. And St. Mark's Gospel tells us that there were 2,000 pigs in this herd of swine nearby, and so there were at least that many demons afflicting this man. Perhaps you felt this way. You know, David complained about his spiritual enemies encircling him like wild bulls and like a pack of dogs, with mouths open against him like roaring lions. Perhaps you felt that, outnumbered, and like your sins are stronger than you are. Or perhaps you just feel scattered, like there are 2,000 different impulses and thoughts and desires and questions and anxieties all fluttering around within you. How appropriate that this man's name is Legion, for we have all often felt the overwhelm of a divided heart. But to us who feel pulled in so many different directions, our Lord preaches purity of heart. Kierkegaard said that purity of heart is to will one thing. And this is what the love of God does for us. It takes our scattered wills and teaches them to rest in one desire only, thy will be done. And this is the peace in which Christ leaves this man on the other side of the encounter. He casts out the demons into the herd of swine, and in an instant this man is delivered from his afflictions. The demons which haunted him for years are now suddenly banished by the gracious power of the Lord. The former demoniac now feels rest in Christ, lovingly attentive to Jesus and sitting at his feet. He listens and learns from the Master and is now finally at ease. St. Luke describes him as clothed and in his right mind. He's clothed. You've got to wonder, where did the tunic come from? I wonder if it came as a gift from him who covers us in his righteousness as well. You know, we heard in Galatians, as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And other translations have, and clothed yourself with Christ. We, like this man, have been given the robe of Christ's righteousness, the wedding garment in which to attend the feast. And he is described as being in his right mind, no longer maniacal and on edge all the time. He acquired the same mental quietude which, lies for, which waits for us on the other side of our encounter with Christ. Our preoccupations and obsessions all falling away in his healing, which brings peace of mind. Now, you wonder about this guy's future. Like, what's he going to do with all his free time now? Like, now that he's not going out on all these uh, wilderness hikes out into the desert or spending these long evenings out among the tombs. Oftentimes, healing and freedom create the need for reinvention. Just think of all the time and mental energy you waste on things that Christ desires to set you free from. I knew a recovering alcoholic who told me that when he started to get sober, his entire friend group had to change. Like there was now a vacancy in his friendships, and he had to choose friends now that didn't center around his addiction. I had another friend who struggled with debilitating OCD, and when she finally started to heal, she realized that she had uh, to rediscover who she was before the disorder set in. Christ's healing gives us the chance for a new identity. And perhaps that's why, after the exorcism of Legion, we no longer know this man's name. He has to rediscover it for himself. Christ charges him to return to his brethren to declare to them the story of what all God has done for him. 
returning from isolation, Christ wills that this man's healing should become contagious. And you'd think that this man's neighbors would be happy for him, but quite the contrary. The passage says they were afraid, and all the people of the surrounding country asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. Sometimes when we experience Christ's healing, we're met with resistance. I wonder how many of you have been made fun of by your family or friends when you decided to leave your nets and follow the Lord. Sometimes people don't want us to change because they're afraid of what that could mean for them. For whatever reason, they're more comfortable with our dysfunction. Perhaps our struggles help them to feel better about themselves. But despite the opposition, Christ says, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. In our healing, Jesus says to go back, asking us to share our story and re-enter our community. Christ empowers us in this way to make a difference in the lives of those we love. So I hope that this ancient exorcism story, which seems strange at first, can actually come as a message of hope to you. You may not be in need of an exorcism, but perhaps you feel like there's just a lot that's afflicting you right now. In such cases, what we need is to bring our struggles to Christ to be cast away from us. This demoniac was restored to his right mind by bringing his mess into the relationship. This is the best advice that I can give to you. Bring your struggles into the relationship. If you'll pardon the expression, I'd say bring your mess to mass. It's here, in the context of the divine relationship, that Christ can heal you. As one writer puts it, God can save the sinner you are, but not the saint that you pretend to be. Christ requires that we come just as we are in order to be saved, without false religiosity or pretense. If you want to be saved, you need to show up just as you are, for the great physician has come not to heal the healthy, but the sick. Now, if you despair of his mercy and think, how could he be gracious with me after all that I've done? Or how could he love me after I've loved him so little? then just remember that he even had mercy on the demons. Remember, they asked him not to cast them into hell, but rather to permit them to possess the herd of swine. And what did Christ do? For no apparent reason other than grace, he permitted them. How much more ready is God to have mercy on you, his beloved son or daughter? Perhaps you have just that one small part of you, that mustard seed of faith, which has brought you here to church today. The 99% of your life is in shambles, and yet there's that 1% that brought you with the demoniac to meet Christ on the shore. It is my prayer for you that our Lord would meet you with great power and make you whole. You who feel naked and embarrassed, he desires to clothe you, for he has himself has said, let him who has two tunics give to him who has none. You who feel bound by shackles and chains, he has come to preach deliverance to the captives, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. For he who is the truth has said, the truth will set you free. You whose sins have brought you to the tomb and to the desert, he has come to usher you into a land flowing with milk and honey. For he has said, I am the good shepherd. And you who are afflicted with a whole legion of sins or thoughts or anxieties, he says to you, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will refresh you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. To him be the honor and glory, both now and forever. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.